0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Well, for all of our visitors, uh, if you haven't met me, I've been uh, maybe been here the last couple of weeks, and I haven't been here. My name is Nate. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, uh, along with my wife Rach, who's, who's out with our new little baby Oakley. Uh, we get the incredible privilege of being the lead pastors of Victory under incredible leadership of our senior ministers, pastors Keith and Janet. Um, and I have a I have a real sense that God wants to speak uh, to every person this morning. So even if you're visiting with us, I believe God wants to speak to you today. Uh, but if you are someone who is regular here, you're part of our community, uh, I just want to say how much uh, we love you guys. I appreciate you guys. You're, you, you, really, you are awesome. Uh, I so value those that are regular in our community. And um, without it, we have no community, right? A community is not found in an individual. Uh, it's found in everybody that gathers. Uh, so thank you for being here and for gathering together. We have been in the book of Philippians now, I believe this is the fifth week and we are on an eight week journey uh, diving into the whole book that we might uh, get some revelation out of the complete context of the letter um, to the church in Philippi written by Paul as he is sitting in prison. Uh, that is a great filter to have on our thinking as we approach this book. Wow, this, these words were penned in prison. Um, we think we have difficulty in our lives sometimes and then and then we open up the book of Philippians or Ephesians or, or some of the other prison epistles that Paul wrote and we read what he wrote out of the circumstance that he was in and suddenly it helps bring a little bit of perspective into our world that hang on, if Paul was able to praise when he was in prison, if, if Paul was able to still celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness of God, maybe my praise is not based on soul circumstance, but my praise is based on my revelation. Um, and so I would hope this morning that as we continue this journey, God would continue to give you a revelation, not just of something, but of someone. See, the goal of, of journeying through Scripture is not to find things, it's not to find some things, it's to find someone. Someone. It's to find Jesus, it's to find God, it's to find who He is, because He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He doesn't change, and even though our circumstances go up and down, we are able to celebrate, we are able to praise and we are able to thank, because God does not change. And so I pray this morning that you would find something of God as we journey through Philippians. Um, now, I want to I wanna take one moment just to let every man in the house know that we have an incredible men's night coming up um, on Thursday, the 21st of November. Uh, we are calling this one Mission Him Possible, uh, just, you know, because I've got three kids now, I'm rocking the dad joke solid, and um, I'm going to embrace that. Uh, I no longer need to be uh, a cool 20-something year old, I can now be a true dad, I have three kids, Amen. All right, dad jokes are on full flow this morning, we'll see. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've been stuck on a verse in Timothy um, where Paul says to Timothy, you know, I have one desire uh, at the moment that men would pray, that they would lift up holy hands free of anger and controversy. And you know, there is something powerful when men gather together under the name of Jesus Christ, lifting up the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is something powerful that occurs when men surrender to a God that is higher than they are. You know, we as men have a propensity to celebrate and to acclaim the self-sufficient man. That is not something that the kingdom of God says we should do. The kingdom of God says that our strength is found in our surrender that our willingness to acknowledge that we are not what it takes, but that we have what it takes in the Spirit of God, that there is power when we drop to a knee rather than rising with a fist. And I'm telling you, if men are willing to gather together for the sake of worship, for the sake of community, for the sake of encouraging each other, and for the sake of lifting up the name of Jesus over our city, I believe that we can begin to see a groundswell that will release power and prayer over our city, releasing revival like we haven't seen before. Uh, And so this is your pastor, uh, maybe not in in your eyes, but maybe just in the role that I see myself playing, putting out a request that the men of this house would consider coming together, uh, that the men of this house would consider gathering and lifting up holy hands, praying and seeking God. Uh, So Thursday, the 21st of November, we will have food and we will have fun and it will be a great night, but let's not... uh, shy away from the fact that there is the significance of the kingdom of God in the midst of it at the same time. Uh, You can register for that online, uh, really just for catering purposes uh, so that we can provide enough food for a hungry group of men. That would be great. So in that time, hopefully you found Philippians 3. Uh, We're going to kick off at verse 15 and we are reading from the NIV translation as we kind of have right through uh, this journey. All of us then who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Right there, that's my promise of a six pack, right there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I want to just, I thank you so much that you're at work. I thank you that you're always at work. Lord, I pray this morning that your word would go out. And that your spirit would bring revelation. I thank you that your spirit guides us in all truth. Lord, I pray that you would not just give us revelation, but that you would give us the strength, the stamina, the perseverance and the endurance to turn that revelation into a form of application in our lives. Lord, that we might be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, that we wouldn't just allow the seed to fall on our ears and think that was great, but God, that we would go to the soil of our hearts and that we would toil that seed into something that would bear fruit in our lives for the benefit of those around us. Father, I pray that uh, this morning uh, you would bless our Northwest campus, and uh, God, I pray that you would bring justice uh, to the Jets, uh, the time they when they play next, Father, that we would have VAR on our side, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. We were robbed last night, but anyway, uh, for those of you who are interested, which is not many, but that's cool. I will continue to pray for my team and believe they will make the finals and that in that God will be glorified um, in, in, in all things. Let's move on quickly before people get too offended. All of us then who are mature, verse 15, Paul begins this little section with a really interesting statement, those of us who are mature, I'm not. All the way along my life yet. But I have reached an interesting point. It happened a couple of years ago. And it was the point where I realized I knew enough to know that I didn't know everything. Right? Like there is an age where, where um, you think you know everything because you know, you've had a certain level of education and a certain amount of experience in life that you assume you know everything. Then there's a second kind of phase to that where, where you, you know just a little bit more and suddenly you begin to kind of have this awareness that, oh, I don't know anything at all. Um, Rachel and I just celebrated 10 years of marriage and I feel like uh, the 10 year point is about the point where you realize you're just getting started. Right? I was saying to someone the other day, I felt like the first five years of our marriage was actually me going backwards to find out who I really was. I'd lived like the first few years of our marriage as a, as a kind of presented person because I had issues. Uh, I'm, not, I'm sure any of you can relate to having issues in your life. That's all right. You leave me hanging. Um, but it took me those few years of marriage to to find myself as as a genuine who just who I was just get comfortable with who I was and then the next five was building back to kind of ground zero back to back to the level of 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 I guess, interaction within our marriage that, that I now was able to do out of who I really was, not who I pretended to be. So, so we're 10 years in, I feel like I'm just getting started. And it's a little bit the same with life, right? We can, we can be quite a few decades in, but really we realize, wow, everything I thought I knew has only enabled me to know I don't know anything. And there's this thing with maturity, Particularly in the kingdom of God, that sometimes we have, uh, we allow a, uh, I guess, a, a non scriptural perspective of maturity to creep into our understanding in Christianity. You see, often what happens is that, oh, where are my notes here? There we go. Often we think the more that we know equates to maturity because that's what we, that's what we, learn in the world, that if I know more, I am somehow further along. And it's interesting because Paul says here that the maturity uh, we will take such a view of things well what things well it's all the things that that we talked about last week and I don't want to spend time going back over it but but everything that Paul said from verse 4 all the way through to 14 and what Paul does is he he says I used to consider all of these things as measures of success I used to consider all of these things as measures of somehow having made it in in my life having made it I had this level of achievement I had this level of, of, well, I was born of the best tribe. You know, I was, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was, he had all of these things that other people strived for. And he goes, you know what? I've come to realize something. Everything I used to think was a measure of, of somehow me progressing in this life to some upper echelon of, of, of maturity in, in, the, in the religious uh, sphere. I've actually realized it was all rubbish. And I've actually, I've put all of that away, everything that I used to measure my progress by, I've put that away for for replacing it with one thing, knowing Jesus. Not knowing about Jesus, not knowing about him, not having more information, not being able to explain more about Jesus, knowing Jesus. So he has replaced external measures with internal intimacy as the measure of his maturity. And it says, actually, if you're mature in the faith, you'll agree with me on that. You'll agree that maturity is not all of these external achievements, all of these external things that we're able to put on display as in having. I've achieved this, and I've done this, and I know this, and I'm all about this, and I came from this. Well, I was I was born in a Christian family, and I I never I never did this, and I never touched that, and I never I never had those words come out of my mouth. And there's all these things that we, if we're not careful, we will wear as measures of maturity in our walk with God. And, and the reality is that the more we do that, the more we're actually articulating. Well, we're not mature at all because maturity is about a depth of intimacy within us knowing Christ. It's interesting because Paul writes to the, the Colossian church something very similar and I'm going to use the message version if that's all right just for this bit. it says it says the mystery is just this Christ in you. so therefore you can look forward to sharing God's glory. It's that simple. that is the substance of our message. we preach Christ warning people not to add to the message. And we teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. And then watch this, he says, to be mature is to be basic. Well, that kind of goes against everything that that the world would tell us maturity is. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less, That's what I'm working so hard at day after day, year after year, doing my best with the energy that God so generously gives me. Paul has this understanding that to be mature is is to have less. Less of the outside, more of one thing. That, That internal, real, genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Worldly maturity would say that more knowledge and understanding equals more answers to things, which actually means we have to trust less, but what it relates to is, is a kingdom of God that is complicated. Have you ever learned so much in one subject that you could only explain something simple about that subject in a really complicated way? I, um, I've been doing, doing some study, and this is one of my textbooks. Um, it's, been, it's been really good. But I have found that the more I dig into that, the more I'm at risk of not being able to describe things of faith in a, in, in a beautiful, simple way anymore. Because I've learned all of these new ways of saying things that sound great. But I have to be careful because the kingdom of God has mystery in it. And the more that we think that we can explain the mystery, the more complicated our Christianity becomes. Because mystery is complicated, right? Kingdom maturity, however, on the other hand, allows for the accommodation of mystery because knowledge is less crucial. We need less answers and we're able to have more trust. We become not more adult. We become more childlike. And so maturity is actually basic. So we need to be careful, and there is a little distinction I want to make here. The kingdom of God is not complicated, but the kingdom of God is complex. And when we we talk about complexity, that's fine because there's mystery. Mystery is a complex thing. Our issue is when we try to explain all of the mystery like somehow we can. As long as we're okay with there being mystery the complexity remains quite simple to us because simplicity is answered in the fact that there's mystery. But as soon as we try to put answer and explanation to every element of the mystery of the kingdom of God, suddenly our Christianity becomes very complicated. I don't know if you've ever tried, but to be able to explain everything that God does and everything that he doesn't do. That is a very complicated journey. But if we're not careful, we make that the measure of our maturity. Well, I can explain more now. Well, now I have the answers to this and that and this and that. So obviously I'm more mature. We need to be careful. In fact, if you read the original language in here, Paul's actually having a bit of a tongue-in-cheek joke. It's like probably the closest thing he gets to being a little bit sarcastic. Not that he does in Scripture, but he gets close here about those who think they're mature. So it's like, well, you know, if you're mature, you'll think this. But, you know, there's some of you that don't, so maybe you're more mature, maybe not. Because as soon as we label ourselves as mature and wear it like an achievement, we've actually undermined the very essence of the way the kingdom of God would define maturity, which is growing a childlike faith in the midst of the ever-expanding mystery of God. You see, often people who think they are mature are people who think they've got it all worked out and actually haven't yet experienced some of the true mystery of God. I don't know if you're like me. Uh, I was young in my faith, and I got to a point where I thought I had all the answers. Um, Similar to life, you know, you get to that point where you think you know everything, and then something happens, and you realize that actually everything you know is just an indication of how much you don't know. It was the same with my my, my Christian walk. I thought I had an answer for everything, and then a few things happened in my life, and suddenly I was like, well, I, I don't know how to explain that. I don't know how to put that in the neat little box that I have created to try to demonstrate that I'm mature because because for me, maturity was being able to give an answer to everybody. And I began to realize that, well, I need some space in my, my explanations. I, I need to make sure that I don't pretend that I can answer everybody's questions and everybody's experiences of God. And it's interesting because he goes on to say, and if... On some point, you think differently. That too, God will make clear to you. What do you do with disagreement in the kingdom of God? Just some light things this morning, by the way. There's a Chinese proverb, I believe it's Chinese, uh, that talks about a kettle that is full cannot hold any more water. The thing with maturity, or an incorrect perspective of maturity, is that we become full. We have no longer created any space in our understanding of the kingdom of God for something that we can't explain. And so when somebody has a different experience to us with an explanation that doesn't immediately line up with ours, we have no space except to disagree. Because when we think we have the answer, we become rigid. Because that's my answer. And if someone else has a different experience or a different answer, What we have is is a disagreement. You see, it follows on from Paul's perspective on maturity in that disagreement over things comes on the back of this rigid standpoint based on the assumption that your perspective alone is correct, that you know the answer and that your answer is the whole answer. Someone once gave me a great piece of marriage advice, right, Uh, which was lose the argument, win the relationship. It took me a long time to work out what that meant in, like, real life, right? It's a great phrase. Um, but I had this habit of, of needing to be right. I don't know if anyone else relates in here. It's, it's very quiet this morning. You guys can, you know, respond if you relate to something I say. And, and so we would be in a, a, a robust discussion in our marriage, and, um, and I would have to be right because I knew a part of my sense of self-importance and self-worth was based on the knowledge that I had established in life. And it took a long time for me to get comfortable enough with myself to not have to be right. Even if I knew in the back of my head I was right, it took me a long time to to put a stopgap between the head and the mouth. For the benefit of of my relationship. There were a lot of arguments, robust discussions, (laughs) that I fueled with the pretense of needing to just, but I know, but I know I'm right. I just need, I can't not say it because then I'm agreeing with something I believe is wrong. I'm still struggling in, in, in that space, obviously. But it took me a long time to realize actually that peace in my relationship and love and, and not necessarily indicating that Rach was wrong, which is what we do when we're right, immediately saying that the other person is wrong. Not placing that on my wife was far better for our relationship than me simply being right. And, and this, this is so needed in the kingdom of God because we have created division based on considering that our perspective is right and that our answer is the whole answer. You see, a mature, person, a mature person avoids disagreement because they know their answer is not the whole picture. They reserve room for elements of the mystery as experienced by other people. An immature person becomes closed off. Just let me ask a couple of questions. What if you're not right? What if there is more to these mysteries of the kingdom of God than what you are actually able to explain? I fundamentally believe, believe that you can learn something from everyone. I, I was brought up in a far more traditional church context and for a long time, <clears throat> due to a number of different I guess things going on in my world and whatever, and I found myself in the Pentecostal church, and I was like, this is what church is meant to be. This is it. And I was, for, for, for sake lack of a better word, I was quite negative towards the church experience that I'd grown up in. Having done a little bit more of a journey, I've realized that I am in danger of being closed off to some of the beauty in the mystery that is found in the way other people express the kingdom of God, and that although I love this flavor of the kingdom of God, I need to be careful to make sure that I don't think that the entire body is a toe. Maturity avoids disagreement because they allow room for the mystery that other people experience. There is beauty in liturgy that I think sometimes the Pentecostal church doesn't grasp. There is beauty in the silent meditation that sometimes the loud, flashy light's praise of the Pentecostal church misses. And we need to be careful that we don't think we have the whole answer. We can be confident in the part we have as long as we remember that it's a part. As long as we don't express our part and pretend it's the whole, because that would be staying closed off to the mystery that other people experience. Now, I would love to dive into um, this and unpack. I have a little bookmark to go to, but... He unpacks five keys of maturity in the kingdom, and it's not what you think. And and maybe one day I'll I'll write a blog post about it, and you can read it there. But um, maturity is measured in ways that we don't think in Scripture. And we need to be careful that we don't take what the world would consider to be mature and bring it into our relationship with Jesus. Because what we'll bring in is an opportunity for disagreement. What we'll bring in is a rigidity what we'll bring in is a is an inability to empathize with people that are going through something that our answer doesn't allow us to explain. You know, there are things that, that I have walked through that were, were um, painful. I think everyone walks through painful seasons in life and you know, we, had, we went through a season where um, we, had a, we had a miscarriage early on, uh, trying for children, and, and we went through a season where uh, we lost Rachel's sister. And I, I remember standing in that hospital room, and I remember, um, you know, we, we, families gathered around, and they were getting ready to turn off the machine. And I was convinced, like, right, my answer was that the worse the situation gets, the more there's an opportunity for God to bring a miracle, right? i might switch it off, bring it on, miracle coming, you know? And they switched it off, and, and nothing happened. And, and, and uh, you know, we were praying and believing that our, our baby uh, would survive. It didn't. We all go through things in life, and if we're not careful, and we close ourselves off, then think that we have the whole answer to people's walks with God, we will not be able to reach into people's pain that often can't be explained and bring empathy and compassion because we won't be able to explain it the way our answer wants to. And so we will remain closed off to being able to reach into the very space they are and simply be there in the mystery of something that we are never meant to be able to explain the whole of. As a side note, I still don't have answers for those. But what I've learned in the mystery is that I don't need every answer. What I need is to know my God. I know my God is faithful. I know he's good. And I don't always know how that's going to translate in every situation. And I think if we begin to think we do, again, we're going to close ourselves off to the way it doesn't sometimes in people's lives. Verse 16, we're in danger of not getting through this. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. It's all right, I'll go quickly now. Application is the pathway to progress. We can have all of the revelation that we want in the world, but if we do not turn revelation into application so that we might experience transformation, we will stay stuck in the last place that we applied revelation. Some of us have had revelation after revelation after revelation after revelation, and we wonder, why am I still so stuck when I feel like I've had all this revelation? It's because we lacked some element of application out of the revelation. And my challenge to you would be that obedience to the truth that you have already learned is the way that we become unstuck. We don't like obedience. It's a bit, of a bit of a nasty word sometimes, I think, in church. Oh, I don't want to be obedient. I just want to flow through this life in the goodness and the grace of God. Yeah, absolutely. But let's not, let's not take out the fact that Christ was obedient to the cross <laughs> from our understanding of what our walk with Christ might look like. Obedience is the pathway to progress. Obedience in application is the pathway to progress. The Spirit of God is going to bring you revelation every time you connect with Him. Whether it's in the Word, whether it's in prayer, He's going to bring enlightenment. It's His job to guide us into all truth. It's not His job to apply that truth in our life. It's our job to then partner with Him so that He might strengthen us and empower us to apply the revelation in our life. There is a a, a co-laboring element to our maturity and our transformation. The path to progression is application, not just revelation. Go back, to the, go back to the last place. Retrace your steps. Mary and Joseph had to do it at the end of Luke 2, right? They, they lost Jesus. Right? We have the, the value of being in the, the, the new covenant, okay, where we are in Christ. We can't lose Him. Sometimes we lose our connection with Him because we fill it up with all sorts of other things, but He doesn't go anywhere, okay? Not like Mary and Joseph who left Him like a couple of days behind, right? But they had to retrace their steps. Sometimes we need to go back to what our last big revelation that we had of God was and, and go, God, how do I, what does it look like for me to apply that in my life, right? We, we have these revelations of God is faithful. That is, when you get that inside of you, that is so life-giving. That is empowering and encouraging. But I tell you, you will have multiple times where you need to apply that so that you might move through different situations and circumstances. Verse 18, For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. You know, what I love about this is it demonstrates Paul's position towards those who opposed him. It demonstrates that he had this incredible heart for the lost. With tears for those who do not live with an acceptance of the cross. But he uses this, this strong language, enemies of the cross. You know, I don't know what persecution looks like in your world, but from time to time we have people that we go, wow, you're really against this. That breaks Paul's heart. That takes Paul to a place of, of, of tears, of emotion, where he's like, I, oh, God, it breaks my heart for these people. Paul is not angry at his enemies or bitter or begrudging. And I'm left asking myself, how, how do I respond to those who are against the things that we stand for? How do do we respond to those who who come against the church? He describes those of this world in such a way that he then goes on to contrast that for those that have accepted Christ. Verse 19, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Paul has this incredible heart for the lost that, that he, he articulates to the Philippians. He's like, the people that don't get it yet, the people that have not seen who Jesus was and are actually enemies of what he did, my heart breaks for them. But you need to know they, they still live from the perspective of earth only. And here we see this, Paul comes full circle to where we began the letter of Philippians where we, we talked about Paul expressing his number one focus in life. He refocuses on his focus, right? He says, but our, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And he does this contrast now between those who haven't yet found Jesus where their mind is set on earthly things but those who have whose mind is set on the things of heaven. One of the key underlying themes that we see right through this book is that Paul holds on to this to come perspective. This this idea of the now and the not yet, that there is these realities that are now when it comes to the kingdom of God, even if they are not yet experienced tangibly in our world. But Paul makes this conscious decision that he is going to bring the not yet into his now. He is going to live now according to what is but may not yet be. He is going to live on earth as a citizen of heaven because Scripture tells him that he is seated in heavenly places. Paul's perspective of his life right now is that he is in heaven, seated with the Lord Jesus. And I want to encourage as I did last time, how quickly do we lose our focus of the realities of the kingdom of God that we have been set free totally free, that we have been forgiven, totally forgiven, that that we have been healed, completely healed, that, that we are seated in heavenly places, that we have everything required to live this life of godliness. There are these incredible truths that are absolutely now in the kingdom of God, even if we don't see them yet in our physical reality, the way in which we move towards them is by faith, believing that they can be not yet, but we can pull them into our now. And for Paul, this permeated every element of the way he approached life. He didn't worry about his provision because in his mind, his king had sheep on a thousand hills. I wonder what are you facing this week that a fresh revelation of the perspective of your heavenly position will change for you. Maybe, maybe you have a situation right now in a relationship. Can I tell you that there is something of the perspective of heaven that you can go into that restoration journey with? Maybe, maybe it's a situation to do with finance in your world. I'm telling you, there is a, a not yet truth of the provision of God that you can bring and believe into your now. There are so many promises in Scripture of what is now in the kingdom of God that we can bring into our present through faith in Christ. How real is the not yet in your now? How real is the forgiveness of God in your world right now? How real is the freedom from guilt in your world right now? Because I tell you, in God's eyes, you are righteous. You have been cleansed. You are completely clean. He sees you as not guilty. I believe there's healing in this place this morning there's freedom in this place this morning. Because verse 21 tells us that who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. The power of God is in this place this morning. You know, the New Living Translation says that verse says, he who has the power to do everything everywhere. to bring fresh revelation to some people this morning about something of their not yet that they need right now in their now. And I've asked the band just we're going to go into a song I'm to get everyone to just stand. And if you need something of the Holy Spirit to bring a fresh revelation of something that is in the not yet that you need in your now, right now. There, there is something in your world right now. And you're like, I need, I need that promise to become a reality. I need that truth that I read. about. I need that right now in my now. I just want you to reach out. I want you to reach out to God like you are really reaching out for something this morning, I'm telling you. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.